When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, it's Craig Fowler here. Before we get to tonight's show, let me tell you about our sponsors for this week. Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world! Manscaped offers precise engineered tools for your family jewels, and they have just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Now, I've been a massive advocate of Manscaped ever since I tried my first razor, as I no longer need to worry about nasty nicks when keeping my pubic region nice and neat. But let me tell you about the latest upgrades. The improved trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage your travel lock, means it doesn't start vibrating in your bag. It also gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when you need it for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customise your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. And how about wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code Terrace. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and my guest at this time is my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And we are the Royal Moat and Paul Gascoigne of the Terrace. I'm hiding in a woodland in northeast England. Sean has turned up in a dressing gown with chicken, lager and a fishing rod. And he's told the authorities he can coax me out by talking to me about lower league Scottish football. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Because we are going to be discussing one game from the championship, one game from League One and another from League Two. And we're going to try and hit that sweet spot of good, solid analysis and having a right old laugh. I don't think we've ever achieved that, but we're going to give it a bloody good go. Sean, how's things? Good. You know, so that we are recording this uh, a smidgen after five o'clock on, the, on, a, on a Thursday evening. Which means I am just a few measly hours away from watching Wraith Rovers humiliate Glasgow Celtic at Celtic Park in front of, uh, from what I could gather on their website, that was just on in front of about two and a half thousand people. <laughs> what's, what's the story? How come Wraith Rovers fans aren't allowed in? 
So they because season ticket holders uh, aren't accepted for this game, uh, then they had to kind of so there's a red zone and they had to kind of open it up. So I think what's been happening is Celtic fans have been in the away end at this moment in time. So that's why away fans can't get into league games, which I kindly understand. So you've displaced season ticket holders. But actually, there isn't really any any real reason why Wraith Rovers fans can't attend this. I mean, what it, it would have been easy enough to say, listen, what we'll do is we will put uh, we'll put tickets on sale for purely for Celtic fans for two weeks. Let's see how ticket sales go. Yeah. If they're not going so well, we'll we'll keep a section back for Wraith Rovers fans and you'll have, I don't know, 10 days or a week to buy them. Uh, but no, they decided they couldn't do that. Okay, so the, I, I I did have a look. I saw you posting the, the, the Terrace WhatsApp group chat, the, the picture of the available seats and... The take up all of them. This game is has been mediocre, and that's put that's been charitable. Yes, very much so. Uh, but no, realistically, I think we will uh, see. I, I hope one of two things happen: either we win, or one of three things happen. Either that we win, obviously, or that we're still in the game with uh, after say an hour or so, or that it's the the game is is beyond us early so that I can switch over and watch uh, Married at First Sight UK. I've heard that's that's good. You were talking about a man who may or may not have been managing Partick Thistle at some point who turned up for a date wearing a baseball cap. I think I've got two things mixed up there, haven't I? Yes, yes, you have. And and let's leave it there. Okay, <laughs> okay. So just like sticking with uh, Partick Thistle, just want to, to get into our first yes. match in the championship. Excellent, <laughs> you want to ask me anything about my house? Uh, you have so you have you've got ghosts and you've started to get flooring. Okay, we'll stick with the ghosts first because that's most alarming. There was a noise I've noticed over the last days. Um, it was like, <laughs> and at first I thought it was works across the road. There's there's new houses being built, but I thought no, that doesn't sound like it. That's got its own distinct sound. And it was happening outside of the times that the workmen were there. So I thought, unless one of them's playing a cruel prank on me, then 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 something's amiss. And I was woken up at about half past three in the morning by the noise. And I managed to pinpoint it at the window. Well, eventually managed to pinpoint it at the window and just gave it a bang. And it seems to have stopped it, which is which is good. I posted in the group, uh, the, again, referring back to the, the Terrace podcast WhatsApp, I posted in that group saying, does anyone have any ideas for this? No one got back to me, of course. It, it was, it, you posted at 4.15 in the morning. It's not, not the point. It's the principle of the idea. Until Robert Borthwick actually got back in touch five hours later to say that, yeah, it looks like there's a problem with the sealant. So it's something I'm, I'm going to, need to take a look at. I think, though, Sean, perhaps most intriguingly is by the time when you and I meet, presumably next week at some point, I will have a new carpet in the bedroom and I'll have flooring in the, the living room. I had the guys round and the, the basically just banged. That was that was the entire day. It was just banging, hammering and drilling. So they put down the plywood. There's screed going over the top of it. It's been done in three stages. So we've finished the first stage. More screeds going down tomorrow. And on Monday, that's when the tiles are getting laid. So that's, that's exciting. It, it sounds like it's all coming together. Well, eventually, the good news, Sean, is according to the Sophology website, my sofa should be here by the middle of October. <laughs> and when that happens, you and everyone else in the Terrace Podcast community is more than welcome to come down. That's, that's an open offer. You can come down to my house 
in Glasgow's East End and uh, have a bottle of lager with me. Well, I, I, I might take you up on that. That sounds good. Do you think anyone would? If that, that's really sad. Imagine no one took me up on that. Like not even, not not even some of the more, um, the, the the more uh, dedicated followers of, of of this podcast would. Uh, would uh, I, I think that most people will take you up on that offer. Yes, excellent. Well, that goes out to everyone because when you come around for lager, we can talk about Scottish lower league football, which is exactly what Sean McGuigan and I are going to do just now. We touched on it there that the first game we are going to talk about is between Partick Thistle and Kilmarnock on Saturday at Firhill. Kilmarnock maintained their good start to the season with a two 0 win over the Jags. Uh, didn't really get going until the second half when. Uh, Remarkable own goal from Kevin Hole opened the scoring, and then a thunderbolt from Ollie Shaw put the game beyond Thistle. The win keeps Kilmarnock hot in the heels of Cali Thistle in first place, or just now a point behind them, while Thistle still sit in fourth place. Uh, I was at this game, Sean, but I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on this one. It, it, it really sums up both teams, I think, and, and I think Kilmarnock are Kilmarnock are solid. Yes, they probably have. I think they probably have the best start in 11 in the championship. Although, funnily enough, I think Inverness Inverness might have a stronger squad, if that makes sense. Like Inverness played Bucky in the Challenge Cup recently and made 10 changes. And it still felt like an okay, an, an okay start in 11. Yeah. I'm not sure if Kilmarnock would be able to do that. But but I do think they've got the best start in 11. Uh, what I would say is, quite often when they made signs during the summer, I think most people's reactions was, oh, he's okay. He's fine. He's decent. I do think they're solid. I'm not entirely certain about them going forward. And I know I know there was question marks over Ennis Cameron when he was leading the line, for example. And, and, and I get that. Uh, albeit Ennis Cameron has already proven at this level before that he's capable, albeit during a, a loan spell at, at Aloha. Only Shaw... Might help things up, up front. He probably will. I, I think Shaw is at this point in time a, a better forward than than Ennis Cameron. But I, I don't think it necessarily just comes down to who they have leading the line. And I, I think in general they're a team that that lacks a wee bit creativity, especially yeah. when totally. especially, especially when Buck is, isn't playing. But but regardless, I, I know they weren't overly creative during this game. Even in general this season, they, they haven't created too many chances. They, they don't have too many shots at goal. What they do have, though, I think, in Zach Hemming and goals, they at last have a goalkeeper, uh, which is unusual <laughs> for Kilmarnock because they haven't had one for a while. And, and I do think that Ewan Murray is, and, and we've spoken about yeah. him before, is how his career has, has went through Scottish football. And I know you were you were surprised that he managed to get a full-time gig at Wraith Rovers. You've you seen him at Steny. I really liked him at Wraith. Uh, he impressed at Dunfermline. And he's just a, a player who is who has just quietly yeah, moved a wee bit through the levels. And mm-hmm. at, at the moment, he looks like he's... I, I, I wondered. I, I thought he would be solid at Kelly, but but like a six out of 10 every week. But actually, he's better than that. Uh, and he, he, he looks like he looks like he is good enough for Kelly. And even if they were to move up a level, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ewan Murray was was still doing, doing well next season if they were to get promoted. You know, Sean, a lot of the stuff you've said is almost like word for word my assertion of this Kilmarnock side. And um, like I say, I, I was at the game. It, it certainly wasn't the best game of football I've ever been to. I, I won't be rushing back to Fur Hill in a while. And we'll, we'll come on to those reasons why 
just shortly. <laughs> but I, that, I think that's what we're going to get from Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock, I think Kilmarnock will win the division. I, I, I'd actually disagree with you. You're, uh, the one thing I disagree, I, I don't think that Cali Thistle have got a better squad. I think that I, I don't think there's that much quality beyond the starting living and maybe one or two players. I do think that's the case uh, with, with Kilmarnock, though. They've got players that they can perhaps call upon to come in and, and do the job. However, I do think they've got a, a strong functional team that won't score many goals, won't necessarily create many chances, won't necessarily be the most exciting side to, to watch, but they will eight times out of ten, four times out of five, if you want to um, be correct about it, 80% of the time get the job done. And I think that's what we saw from this match here. Thistle were probably the better side in the first half. For about like 20, 25 minutes, when the game sort of settled into its rhythm, they were the better side. Like like uh, Kel Turner was getting in the ball. Uh, Scott Tiffany was pulling wide. Zach Rudden was, was looking a bit dangerous. Um, Stuart Bannigan actually thought was was Thistle's best player, was was playing well. But they, they were playing well without ever really creating chances to get in behind and, and exploit Kilmarnock. Meanwhile, Kilmarnock, their tactic really seemed to be playing long balls, like out from the back. Thistle's back line, very haphazard, and it was very easy for uh, Kilmarnock to get in behind them. And this is guys like Ollie Shaw, Fraser Murray, Scott Robinson. I think between them, they'll probably get about 20-odd goals a season between them. I don't necessarily think that, that, they are, that they are amazing players. They've definitely got their qualities, and I think that, that hard work can go a long way. And I think that's what you're going to see from, from, from those forwards players, is that, that Ollie Shaw was able to make balls over the top that, that would normally be meat and drink. He was able to make them look as though something could happen just purely through endeavour. I do think that can go a long way. The second half, however, was, was predominantly Kilmarnock. They, they got their two goals uh, quite uh, quickly between one another. And at that point, we're just content to sort of keep Thistle at arm length, arm's length, pardon. And that's when you really, Thistle did come into it a wee bit, but they made a substitute. They removed Brian Graham, who had was effective without who'd done well without without really doing much if you know what I mean and they brought in Ross McKeever for him who barely kicked the ball and when that substitution was made about 13 minutes to go I didn't really think Thistle would would, would get much from it and I thought it was it was straightforward for Kilmarnock that's what I'd describe this one as straightforward it's, I, I think I think Thistle and Kelly might have uh, they're probably the opposite of one another so so we mentioned like how strong Kelly are at the back and the, the, they might be quite clinical up, up front, maybe. They, they, they kind of make the most of, of the chances they do create. Patrick Thistle seem to create chances, but, but but maybe don't make enough of them. But but what I would say is, I think in terms of, I really like Brian. Like I've always liked Brian yeah. Graham. Uh, and I know he's 33 now, but he'll still score goals this season. Uh, Zach Rudden is, I think, absolutely fine for this level. He hasn't. He hasn't kicked on as much as I thought he would. When remember we arrived at Falkirk, yeah. Remember, like he he was scoring goals and and I think he was interviewed and he said, "I'm just here to score fucking goals." Aye. And you thought, right, fair enough. You've you obviously got a bit of confidence in yourself. It probably hasn't worked out as well as I, as I thought it would, but I, I still think he's fine and that's a decent combination. And Kyle Turner and Scott Tiffany again. That's another couple of players that that would play for everybody in this league. I think. You've already mentioned Bannigan. And then after that, I do think Patrick Thistle are lacking a wee bit. I don't really like I don't really like how they set up defensively. You mentioned they were they looked haphazard at the weekend. They they probably have they probably have an issue in goals. 
so so Jamie Snedden has made some uh, <laughs> fairly fairly glaring errors this season, and Harry Stone has come in on, on loan from Hearts, who has a decent reputation, albeit he's just uh, a, a young goalkeeper. He's also made some mistakes as well, and uh, like Snedden is 24, 25, whether that's whether that might come back to bite them this season, or that they don't have a a commanding goalkeeper with a wee bit more experience than those two, that that might cost them. Now, it's quite rare for a team to come up from League One and not do well. So, so I look at that Paddock Thistle team, and I still think they'll be fine this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be surprised if they weren't in the top half of the table, but not having a I think that's where they're lacking. I, I, I compare them to other teams and I, I'm not sure about them goalkeeper-wise. It's quite interesting you say that though because I actually thought Snedden was fine. No, the, he was. I, I, don't I, get me wrong, he, was, like, he, he saved the penalty. So now, now he, had the, he had the penalty save and by all accounts he was, from what I've seen, uh, he was absolutely fine. But I, I don't think that's necessarily been... I don't think he's necessarily been like that every week uh, this season and certainly I think it was against them I'm sure it was against Inverness when they lost 3-1 and again started strongly went a goal up and then kind of capitulated his I mean his errors were, were fairly egregious Yeah I, th- I think one of the things that I noticed as well they were playing Ricky Foster at left back and now Ricky Foster's a, a, a decent enough player at that level, but the, it's one of the big issues if you've got a, a, a right-footed player playing at left-back, then it really sort of limits to, to what you can do because there are a number of times that they broke into good spaces and his delivery with his left foot it wasn't fantastic. And the times when he did try to come onto his right foot, it just slows everything down because you've got to come back inside and then, then play the ball over. Um, so, so that was a bit of an issue for me. Ross Doherty, as the match wore on, Ross Doherty's influence began to wane. And I think the supporters around me were beginning to get on his back a wee bit. I would have to, however, have to give credit to Stephen McGinn and Blair Alston, who were playing in the middle of the pitch for Kilmarnock. Uh, I know Alston joined the club after a, a really disappointing season at Falkirk, where he had a two-year contract that ended up getting ripped up. But he was just an absolute dog in the middle of the park just did a lot of really unfussy stuff kept play ticking over and I suppose by having him and McGinn in the middle of the park they're two players who are not really going to like they're not going to get make a, a check artista out of uh, Blair Alston or Stephen McGinn you know but these are guys who are useful players have their uses and are the sort of players that can that can go through um, the, the divisions with you it's interesting because Olsen might have been the one out of all the signings where you went, you might be okay. Olsen was the one that I probably had the most amount of doubts about because he'd had such a such a poor season for, for Falkirk, as did as did the majority of, of Falkirk squads. But I suppose from, from what you're suggesting that if, if you played so well on, on Saturday, then, then then maybe we shouldn't have been quite as uh, quite as dubious about that, that signing. I, I think, though, that Falkirk was just a black hole last season, particularly as the, the campaign. I mean, last season, let's be honest, last season was rubbish in, in terms of following. Doesn't doesn't matter if you if you won. The, I mean, probably the only fans that probably enjoyed themselves were probably Rangers fans. Everyone else was just like, this is rubbish. This is this is the, the not being able to go, go to games. Number of factors, and I think Falkirk, for, for a number of reasons, was just like a big sucking black hole. And I think that uh, Blair Olsen got sucked so far and he came right back out the other side. <laughs> but he's reunited with Tommy Wright, who's a manager that he worked with for a long time at St. Johnson, knows exactly what he's capable of, knows how to get the best out of him. And you might see him, I'm not saying this is going to put Blair Olsen on the map, 
but it's certainly he will appear on Google Images if you if on Google Maps like the street. You, know you, you cannot say fairer than that. Exactly, exactly. But I, I, I probably for for me the best thing about this game was actually getting to see Craig Anderson, who of course everyone knows him as uh, he's a he's a, a a doctor in statistics. So by far and away the cleverest person I know, definitely the cleverest person you know. And we went for, uh, we walked back into the city centre and went for a couple of laggers and it was good. And so I'm worried, you and I recording this, it's like, it's like me talking about Wraith Rovers. I don't feel like it's my territory, my business to be discussing Wraith Rovers. When I hear someone else in this podcast talking about Stenhouse, you know, I'm like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what it is you're talking about. So I'm worried that we haven't done Kilmarnock uh, justice here. But, you know, you th- th- well, here's a question. Do you think that there will be a, a title battle in the championship? No. So, so like we both said that we think Kelly will win the league. Do you think Inverness could, could win them close? Well, you know, one of the teams that we're going to come on to and talk about is a team I'm interested to find out if they can sustain their form. I th- I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, I'll be honest and say, I haven't seen a lot of Inverness this season. The, the, I'm only really interested in talking about teams when you and I, a couple of days in advance of this podcast, pick a team and pick matches that we're going to look at. And we've not done that with Inverness. So that's something we should perhaps explore at some point soon. But from the, the, the limited stuff that I have seen is they're playing well. Billy Dodds has, you've got to say fair play to him because it's been an absolutely phenomenal start. I don't think anyone had really high expectations for him when he was given the the, the job. And I just, I just think that, that this Kilmarnock side, they're just too big a team not to win the division. Uh, they're a, right, okay, they're a, they're a bigger team than Inverness. I, I honestly don't think there is that much between them. And I think... Why I thought Inverness might struggle this season is because I wasn't entirely sure how good a manager Billy Dodds was. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't I wasn't any more comfortable with, with how good he might be or given any more assurance when he was... Remember during the League Cup campaign and uh, they, they really struggled. And he said, well, I haven't really had enough chance to, to, to work with the defence yet. You think, right, well, the season started. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to work with your defence? But they... They never conceded any goals now. So if he hadn't worked with his defence at that point, he certainly has now. I think they have a decent spine. I think Ridgers, fine for this level. I think there was a lot of uh, doubts about Kirk Broadfoot in, in, in terms of how he was at command last season. Him and, and Danny Devine at centre-half have been absolutely fine. I like Scott Allardyce in midfield. Tom Walsh has rebounded from a, a pretty poor spell at Air United. And up front... Shane Sutherland and Manny Duku look the part. So yeah. I, yes, I expect Kilmarnock to win the league, but I I, I thought Dunfermline might have run them close. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. I, I do think Inverness could stay with them. Uh, and and I, I think it might be a more exciting season at the top of the championship than I than I initially anticipated. That's interesting. I don't, Sean. I think Kilmarnock will be perhaps like the the, the dullest champions. I was going to say, who's who a really unexciting champion? I was going to say Hearts. <laughs> like Hearts were shit. I think that they seem to be not better equipped. That's, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong word. But they seem to just be like, like by a lot less exciting and by less exciting, just functional. That's a word I've used about three or four times already when describing them. I don't think we're going to see much from them to, but I think they'll they'll be steady and they'll come back up and they'll be steady uh, again. 
But I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, I said at the start, I'm not going back to Fur Hill. Uh, do you want me to explain why? Uh, why? What, what was it that was so disappointing about your Fur Hill experience? I, I don't want to think, see myself as like better than, than any of our supporters. But I, I, I like, I, I was late into the ground. I like, if I'm going to football, I like being in the ground about 20 minutes before kickoff. Just don't like, you know, some people that can be like, at like a two minutes to three, still finishing a pint and going in. That is that not me. I like being in the ground early doors. And I went and got in. So just as the teams were coming out, or the teams were already out, they were just about to kick off. And I was looking for a seat, a seat that wasn't already taken because a lot of them had had season ticket holder seats on them. So I found one, and it was in this row, and there was a group of boys behind me, like like we boys, must have been about 12, 13. And they, they were very, very slowly opening a big two-litre bottle of Diet Cola. Why are they doing it slowly? Because the thing had shaken up to fuck. So obviously they're opening it slowly to stop the scuff from skating out everywhere. And all I could feel behind me was like, this is going to be, this is going to all get open and this is going to go all over me here. So I was like sort of turning to stare at them. And, just, and, and, and let's not forget, you're, you're probably wearing quite expensive clothes. Well, listen... It's not. It's not. It's not the point. Even if I was wearing clothes I'd borrowed from someone, like if you're wearing clothes I'd borrowed from you, I still would want them to be covered in supermarket diet cola. So <laughs> are you suggesting that my clothes would be very inexpensive? I'm not suggesting anything, Sean. But I have looked at your clothing online, and I know how much stuff a fruit of the loom costs. <laughs> Right. But I was looking at these boys behind me. They brought this bottle really slowly. I turned to look at them because I thought the stuff was going to go all over me. And they stopped what they were doing. They were staring back at me. And it's like, say, I said, like, like, don't stop what you're doing, but just be careful with it. Then the match started and it's like, we boys at the football with our dreadful shouts. I was there to 60 seconds. I thought, I can't listen to them. So I went and moved somewhere else. Had to move because the guy came in. I was hit somebody's seat on. So I moved to another seat. And like, I, I have no problem going to the football on my own. I, I do, it, do it loads of times. I must have been about four or five games, maybe not as many, about three or four games already this season on myself. I think it's great to get the chance to go and see other sides. So I've been able to see leagues with the Premiership, like down to down, down to League Two. And it's great. It just gives you a chance to, to see other teams. But one of the things I did find about For Hill was that almost every single person around me fancied themselves as a bit of a comedian. Like every single shout in that game was was designed with some degree of comedy in mind. You, but you, you were in Glasgow, to be fair. The, the only the only thing is, Sean, I didn't find a single of them one funny, and I, I found it grating. And I was sitting there a lot of the time with my my my, my uh, fingers pressed into my eyes, praying, wishing that the the full time whistle would would come. And that makes me seem that makes me seem arrogant. I don't want that to come to be, be the case. I'm not. I'm, I, you listen to some of my shouts at the football, like you'd, you'd think this guy's an absolute loser as well. It's just that style of comedy, that wacky off the wall sort of Janie Godley esque sort of humour. That's just not really me. And I just at the end, I was just like, I'm glad that's finished. I don't need to come back here. I'll go and watch Queens Park again when they were playing. There's nobody there, so you don't hear people shouts. Which is fine. You know, when they were playing Cove Rangers, Cove Rangers brought like a tiny travelling support, so it was fine, you, you know. Um, but that was just... You know, uh, is, is there not a kind of old guy at the front at Stenny that, that has a load of rubbish shouts? Aye, aye, he's 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 useless. He's, he's, he's deranged. It's like he's watching a, a... What he's seeing 
is com- what he's shouting about is completely different to what's happening in front of him. You know, I just, uh, but that was it. That was my experience at, at Fur Hill. I, I, I wish I'd been there. It's like I was, I was running late. I had to get a taxi there. And it's great. I mean, that was one of the good things that I like, enjoy about it. It's like walking up to the Jackie husband stand up that, up that sort of hill that, 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 that goes around. That's good fun. But, um, I should have been in touch with Craig Anderson beforehand and I should have gone and watched the game with him. And there you go, Patrick Thistle, you've lost uh, a potential <laughs> returning customer. <laughs> you know, everyone moves to Glasgow, like, like when uh, dorky students move to Glasgow and Patrick Thistle become their second team. Ain't going to happen here. People Ain't. make Glasgow. People make Glasgow. Pe- people make Glasgow less amusing to, uh, to be in. Just, well, just one of the shouts, right? This is, this is the one that, that stuck out. So, so Zach Henning, you mentioned, he's he's a fine goalkeeper. And I think he, he played really, really well without doing anything amazing. There was, towards the end of the game, there was a really good ball played in uh, for Foster to run on to. And it was a foot race between the goalkeeper and Foster. The goalkeeper slid out, got the ball, Foster jumped over him. But the goalkeeper went down... Um, Injured. Now it was one of those injuries that's quite a is a sensible injury because you you take the sting out of the game. This is two 0 to come on. Thistle will begin to come back into it. Take the sting out of it. Annoy the Thistle players a wee bit and just take it from there. And now, understandably, the fans and the crowd were were getting annoyed about it. And there's a guy sitting a couple of seats away from me. Uh, so Hemming, sorry, Hemming got up and was fine. You know, there's a surprise because he was just down killing time. And this boy, a couple of sheets down from me saying, you've missed the Academy Awards goalkeeper. You'll have to wait till next year. And just thinking, holy fuck. Imagine that. One, imagine thinking that. Two, imagine thinking that was funny enough to say. And then three, actually saying it. Four, in front of a crowd of people. It just did, did, did anyone laugh? I, I I don't think anyone laughed, but but imagine a comment like that, but but just like happening all the time. Just some of the some of the shouts were were, were dreadful, um, but yeah. Uh, nevertheless, nice to have uh, nice way to spend uh, a Saturday afternoon. Now, Sean, I think it's perhaps appropriate that you and I uh, drop into League One, and we are going to Grangemouth. <gasps> where it's all going wrong and as a pathetic troll with nothing better to do in my life, I think this is a smashing laugh. Yes, Falkirk <laughs> lost their third consecutive lead match where they were beaten at home by a resurgent Dumbarton side. Calvin Orsay and Callum Wilson score within eight minutes of each other in the second half and Charlie Telfer, an embarrassment to the surname by the way, netted a consolation at the death. Falkirk are now seventh place in League One and Dumbarton incredibly are level with Queen's Park at the top of the table. Now, we'll park Dumbarton for the time being because we spoke about them a lot last week after they won against East Fife. But I think this is important that we focus on what's going wrong at Falkirk Football Club. They are a full-time team in a part-time division, yet they've lost three in a row. I do think that this is... I think incrementally, Falkirk have consistently got worse during these three years in, in League One. I think the team that finished runners-up to uh, Wraith Rovers a couple of seasons ago would have won last season's division, and I think they would run away with this season's division because they, they, they would have had Declan McManus, mm-hmm. for example. It was a it was an okay team uh, in, in the third tier. This one doesn't have a forward. Uh, kind of worth its name. Uh, now, that may be to do with 
budgetary constraints. So I get that, that the fact that they are, it feels like they're getting poorer on, on paper, but they also don't have a Wraith Rovers or a Partick Thistle to compete against this season. And I know like Queen's Park are in there, but I, I feel like Queen's Park, I feel like Queen's Park didn't really spend or, or, or sign as I expected this summer. So I, I don't think this Queen's Park team is as good as the, the Wraith team or the Partick team that, that have been the last two winners of, of this division. Now, what I would say is, I still think that that this is the best squad in the division. And I, I think part of the problem is Callum Morrison is, is injured and, and been ruled out until December. Yeah. I think I've just announced that. But they've brought in uh, they've brought in Declan McDade. I do think that there is corrections to the team that Paul Sheeran could make that would make them better. So the fact that I don't think Stephen Hetherington, who's their captain that they've brought in from Alawa, I don't think he is as good as, I think it's Arnaldo Krasniki, who they've brought yeah. in on loan from Huddersfield. I think if he was just to play him over Hetherington, that would improve things. I think Charlie Telford is generally asked to play in front of the back four. I think if they moved him forward, so he's more attacking, that would help matters. I think if they play the Aidan Nesbitt centrally, rather than wide, I think that would help matters. I think if we started Aidan Keener up front every week, who has to be... Like Aidan Keener is their... I'm not entirely sure why there's any debate around who their best forward is, because it is Aidan Keener. And I know he's, he struggled with injuries at times. Aidan Keener is their best forward. So just play him every single week. I'm not entirely sure about Brad Mackay as a centre-half or Gary Miller as a, as a right-back. But they do have options in that squad. And I think if Paul Sheeran can realise that, and I, I mean, whether, whether he whether he doesn't think these things or whether he's been stubborn or whether, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But I still think there are enough options within that squad for it to be a successful season. And like, I think there's only three points between top and seventh. But aye, for Falkirk to be seventh and to lose three games in a row in League One, my goodness, that is some fall from grace. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think watching the highlights, to me, the, the thing they were really missing is just a, a goal scorer because they did create chances, you know. I mean, in the first half alone, there was Charlie Telford a shot that narrowly went past the post. Uh, Aidan Nisbet had a shot that Paddy Boyle had to clear off the line. Michael Ruth hit the top of the bar with a looping header. Nisbet had a free kick that was tipped over the top. They are creating chances, they're, they're just not scoring them. And I just think that, why are you not playing Aidan Keener? What's the story there? I was, was informed last night by an associate of mine who is a Falkirk supporter, yes, we do hang out from time to time, <laughs> that Aidan Keener might be going to Wraith Rovers on, on loan. I, 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 I'm repeating that here because it's just, I mean, this, is, this isn't official channels or anything like that, so it's, it's, it's fine to, to talk about these things, but if that is the case, then there's perhaps a, a crumb of truth in it. You'd have to think, why on earth would you, would you want to do that? Because... Uh, surely, uh, uh, Aiden Keener's I mean Aiden Keener's not exactly like phenomenal Ronaldo. I don't know if that's it. It's, it's shite when you've got to clarify between Brazilian Ronaldo and the the other weird one, the Michael Jackson one at, at, at Manchester United. But but you know what I mean. We're not expecting him to be like a late nineties Ronaldo. We're just looking for someone who can score about fifteen goals a season. They think Keener can surely fulfil that function, and to not play him at, at the expense of. Like, for instance, like like Babe Ruth that's playing for them, fine, he'll put himself about a bit. It seems to have a decent touch. I don't think you'll even get five goals from him this season. 
You've just called him Babe Ruth. Yeah, I know. So it's like I was, I was just a wee joke. I know his name's Michael Ruth, but if you're surely your, your surname's if your surname's Ruth, folk would just call you Babe Ruth. I'd die probably, probably I'd die maybe. Michael Ruth, if you're listening to this podcast, tell us if you've got a nickname. Uh, let us know. Have you ever been called Babe Ruth? Uh, send a <laughs> send a tweet to myself and Sean copying the terrace and, and and let us know. But that that's that's the impression I get is that that Falkirk aren't far away. Now I know I listened to Paul Sheeran's post match interview because it was highlighted by Fraser Clark, an associate of this podcast. It was highlighted him and Pine Bovo that he got the impression that Sheeran isn't really angry after what he just saw. So I'd listened back to him and I thought, he's actually right. Sheeran sounds like he's just annoyed a bit. He's disappointed. Like 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 his Sky Plus box forgot to take the Great British Bake Off rather than his team has, has just lost a, a fairly presentable game against Dumbarton. But he, he used the term trust the process. I said like the the, the interviewer asked him, you, you seem you're getting there and it's he might on off the basis of that that performance thing, they are moving in the right direction. See, see Saturday was the first time I've watched a Sheeran interview and not been particularly impressed by him. So I've watched other ones where, where Falkirk have lost and he has said like you could tell he was angry and you like he was saying not good enough and, and so on and so forth. But when see when you're using phrases like Trust the process, like that's like that when you well. really start I've to got, worry. I've got that down as well. When you see when he said trust the process, you're like, oh no, it's like what does that term. mean? I suppose it means like we're heading the right direction. If you keep doing the right things, things will happen. But it's like I've used this, this term before. It's like if you're at a dinner party with someone and they casually drop in, they're reading Mein Kampf. You're just like, oh, hang on a second there. You know, it's like when somebody says, trust the process, you're like, oh, dear. Um, I'm not, I liked you. I liked sitting next to you, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to turn turn the other way and have a conversation with the people the other side of me. Because the, the process is now, I mean, I'd have lost three league games, four games in a row they've lost now. The, the process, I, I'm not entirely sure what we have to trust because the process is that they aren't troubling teams which on paper look worse than them. Like but Dumbarton, like Falkirk look, so so. But if you look at Falkirk, you look at Dumbarton, and I kind of suggested this about Dumbarton last week, Dumbarton are much better than the sum of their parts. I look at that Dumbarton starting 11, I think, right, Sam Ramsbottom, fine, Gregor Buchanan, Ryan McGeever, that, that gives you a decent platform. And then, But then beyond that, I don't see a lot of players that would, that would get in the Falkirk starting 11. Mm. However, uh, they are joint top of the league. And what I would say is Calvin Orsi's goal. Yeah, it was good. Come the, on. The opening that. goal uh, might be the the slowest goal I've ever seen. I think that, that's something I'm glad you touched on that because I think that, that Falkirk might be doing good things going forward, albeit they're not putting the ball away. Defensively, there, there's that was that was fairly embarrassing for what we saw them because like the the after the hour mark, it's effectively it's within three kicks of the ball. Two kicks of the ball, even it's in the back of the net. It's a punt up the three kicks of the ball. Sorry, punt up the park from Sam Ramsbottom. A flick on by Connor Duffy that inexplicably splits the Falkirk defence, and then a, a shot from Calvin Orsley. It must have been moving about four miles an hour. What I would say, I think that because the shot's moving so slowly, makes it look worse than it is. But I think that the shot was just 
laser guided, precision guided. The fact that it kisses the post <laughs> and goes in. No, mate. No, no, I'm not having that. I wasn't. It wasn't. La- are you? Are you? Are you telling me that Calvin Orsi had laser guided precision into the into the far corner? Cal- Calvin Orsi does not have laser guided precision on this occasion, however. On this occasion, because. The ball, I know it's like it's for Robbie Much to dive down. Robbie Much is at full stretch and can't get that ball, no matter how fast it's moving. I just think it's a very well taken shot. He, I, I think he could have walked smartly and and dived on top of the ball. <laughs> it, 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 like or or jog. No, I, I've got. It, I've, he didn't have to sprint. He, he could have. I, I don't know how. No, the laser guided precision from no. It was. It was a dreadful error from Robbie Much. No, I've got a de- I have a degree of sympathy for him. I think it was just a, a, a very well taken shot. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was, it was. It was well placed into the far corner, but trundled. You can actually tell. See, watch it again. You can tell that when Calvin Orsi struck it, he was thinking to himself, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> and yeah, and yeah, I went in. What I'd be more concerned about, right? Because I'm obviously not going to agree on that. I think it was a good goal. You, you perhaps have have got your reservations about that. But one of the things I, I, I think that the fact that that Duffy was able to beat—I'm not sure who he beat. It was either Mackay or Mil- or Miller that that was beaten for the header. Uh, very, very easy. I mean, you shouldn't lose goals like that. Like a team like Falkirk, you shouldn't be losing goals like that that are punts up the park and flick on. And, 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 like, and the thing is, one stuff. This is a kind of it's a trend now for Falkirk in terms of the defensive woes. So they had uh, Mark Dudman, who they quite quite rightly, I, I suppose, uh, that the fans had, had reservations about, and they weren't uh, they weren't overly fussed to to see him leave. Uh, Paul Dixon goes from left back to to centre half, and it, it probably is their best centre half. They had reservations about Ben Hall, who. Has probably been okay next to Paul Dixon this season. Ben Hall uh, uh, dropped out at the weekend to be replaced by Brad Mackay. But then as soon as this kind of new partnership developed, they, they looked all at sea. So so again, it looks like that is a real soft spot for Falkirk. And we've already mentioned the terms of Buchanan and and, and uh, uh, McGeever at, at centre-half for Dumbarton. That is the, the the rock that they're built on, and, and Falkirk, Falkirk don't have that. So unless they can start scoring goals, because I, I don't see them improving that much defensively, mm-hmm. unless they can start to to, to sort out the, the, the goal-scoring side of things, maybe they will struggle. I, I think you talk about the defensive side of things, I think that's perhaps exemplified by the, the second goal, which very well taken, but the build-up to it, if you're, if you're a Falkirk fan watching that, you'd be your head in your hands. It's a ball that comes over the top, and I think it's it's uh, Callum Wilson. I don't know. He seems to nudge Gary Miller. You see, you see fouls like that given. You know, when somebody's jumping the ball and somebody sort of just leans into them, he leans into Gary Miller, runs towards goal, but then he get, he gives the ball to Pign- Carlo Pignatello, who by all accounts had quite a solid game from Darton. Gives the ball to Carlo Pignatello, and Gary Miller, who's marking him, just runs off him, and and Pignatello plays the ball in to Wilson. Miller by this point realizes the danger's on, comes up to front up with uh, Wilson and Mackay. But then a wee drop of his shoulder, Mackay and Miller both go the same way, leaving all that space for Wilson. It's a very good finish because he opens his body up well and curls it into the top corner. Well, not necessarily the top corner, certainly the second down corner. 
he puts it there and it's a, it's a really good finish, but it's really poor goalkeeping, really poor, def- not poor goalkeeping, really poor defending from, from Falkirk in that regard. Yeah, no, no, very much so. And I suppose the concern would be that like Dumbarton didn't really do that much attacking like, at the weekend. Like, I think their first shot on target came after an hour. Falkirk had a lot of the ball. They, they, they created a lot of half chances, but, but the fact that they couldn't deal with Dumbarton uh, Dumbarton's limited forays forward is is a concern in general. I I I'd say so. I'd say so. I think that if you're you're losing a team like has two shots and scores with two shots, you're like, what the fuck's going on here? But I suppose you mean you don't need to worry seeing about Brad Mackay for too much. You've only got him on a three year contract, so. <laughs> I, I, you know, some maybe I'm, I'm not as confident as I was earlier about trusting the process. But, I, but those are those are just bad days, though. You know, like when you're you you're 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 playing and you're you're losing goals like that, and you're you're making chances and you're not putting them away when you get hit with a, a sucker punch like that. I mean, these things happen. I, I'm I'm fairly confident that Falkirk can pull them out of this this tailspin. That they're they're away at Montrose next week. Montrose aren't in fantastic form at the moment, albeit they've signed James Keatings from from Ray Rovers. What you, just as an aside, what do you make of that transfer? Uh, a, a, a strange one. I'm, I'm reliably informed that he has been uh, struggling with injury, and so we wanted him to get games. As the as, as was the line that I was that I was told. I, I thought the statement that went on the Rovers website probably wasn't great. And then James Keaton's when he turned up at training last night said that he was uh, fully fit and waiting to go. But the Wraith Rovers statement on their website said that his uh, some along the lines of his his body he hasn't been able to train properly because of his. His body, I, I can't really remember the, the, the quote, it was an unusual one. And maybe there's more to it, maybe there isn't. Uh, but I bear in mind, we that now means we only have two forwards uh, Ethan Varian on loan from Stoke and Matty Poplatnik on loan from Livingston. Oh, yeah. I would like to think we're, we're making room for somebody else to come in, but I mean, Keatings was. Probably considered one of our bigger signings during the summer. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's more than meets the eye. You wonder why then Falkirk wouldn't have gone in for someone like that? Uh, don't know. Maybe maybe I just don't like. Yeah, because you mean I know we all say that about James Keatings. He is the the Darren Huckerby of uh, of. Do you know something? James Keatings has only scored goals between 2015 and 2018. I think a spell maybe with Hamilton, Hearts, and Hibs. And I would I would have to check back, but it, it may have been at very good championship teams. And that's the only time he's really scored goals. And out with that, he, he's never scored goals before or since. So aye, hopefully he can get his, his mojo back and come back to Starts Park and, and do very well. But I, I don't have high hopes. Well, let's hope he gets his mojo back on Saturday. But I mean, I mean Montrose, they're, they're, like we were saying earlier, they're not in the best of form. And surely if you do want to sort of like, I mean, they had a good start to the season, Falkirk, because they won three in a row. Uh, they've, they've since lost three. But surely this is, a, this is a good side for Falkirk to be facing. Is any side good for Falkirk to be facing? Do you know the thing I would say is I, I would say I think probably more was made of their defeat to Queen's Park than was necessary because from what I saw they were every bit as good as Queen's Park if not slightly better so uh, and if it wasn't for a, a, a very good Simon Murray goal 
then it would have ended all square. Or, or maybe Falkirk would have come out on top because based on what I saw, Falkirk looked better than Queen's Park. So I still think if I was a Falkirk fan, I would be very annoyed. But I, I, I don't know if I'd quite be at panic stations just yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Is there, is there anything to be said about Dumbarton that we that we haven't spoken about before? Do you think they've got the minerals? Do you think they can finish in the top four? Maybe. I, 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 let's face it, I, I don't think League One is the most quality-packed division <laughs> in Scotland. And I, I like the way... Uh, I, I, I like the, the start of the season. I, I thought they would, probably would have been safe uh, from relegation this season I presume they would have been in, in mid-table and, and not troubling the top four places bear in mind you've got Cove you've got Queen's Park you've got uh, Falkirk but maybe I, I think they'll fall away I, I do and I, I think I mentioned this other week in terms of like Gregor Buchanan isn't going to score goals every single week if, if that's your if your uh, if your most attacking outlet is a centre half then, then presumably that will eventually catch up with you at some point but they might be in a, a, a clutch of teams that could maybe get that last playoff spot. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm not convinced. I'd like to. I, I quite like Dumbarton. Obviously, Fraser Clark's someone I've got a lot of time for, and if he's happy, then then I'm happy. But I just don't think they've got the minerals to, to last the distance. But that's no shame in that. I think it's make hay while the sun shines. You know, you get as many points in the bag as you can because it could be could be a difficult winter ahead. You know, you might lose form, so it's all about getting as many points as possible and just enjoy it while it happens. Remember, we were talking about the the, the brutality of Duffy Ball last week and how this is this 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 is the opposite of that. And so, aye, all good stuff. Always. We uh, we we thought at one point last season that they would be a, a team that would eventually dribble down to to struggle at the foot of League Two, and yet here they are joint top of League One, which shows you uh, how things can change and that, that you and I know very little. Well, let's wait until The Rock sold off for housing and the team's got nowhere to play, uh, just like Clyde Bank, who, weirdly enough, they might have to ground share with. But that's uh, that's fantasy booking. That's not what we're here for. We don't deal with fantasy. We deal with the truth. And the truth is that Stenhouse Muir FC are propping up the SPFL. They were abject at the weekend, losing 2-0 to Stranraer down at Stair Park. Goals at the start of either half, one from Matty Yates and one from Brock Watson, was enough to give the Stair Park side the win. I wasn't at this game. As mentioned, I was at Firhill. Uh, I checked my phone about 10 minutes into the game and could not believe what I was seeing. Stennis, we had conceded a penalty, which was saved by the goalkeeper, but then immediately went a goal down afterwards to, to Yates and uh, were roundly dreadful throughout. I spoke to a friend of mine uh, who'd been down to the game and he says it could easily have been six or seven and was one of the worst performances he'd seen from the club in 20 years. So it's funny you should say that because that's what I was going to say to you. Is this, so, so I watched the highlights and I'm not saying it was, do you remember the start of last season and we spoke about, I think it was Edinburgh City versus Brecon and we spoke about the highlights, like a 12 minute highlights package and it was just non-stop, one way, mm. Edinburgh City attacking. Now it wasn't quite as bad as that, but we both spoke at the time in terms of if this is as good as Brecon City can do, then they are very much going to struggle this season. They like like we, we couldn't envisage another team being as bad as Brecon during the course of the season. And and watching those highlights, this must be the worst Stenhouse Muir team I have ever seen. And in, in terms of your your, your pal, 
it, it could have been five, six, yeah. seven. And this is a Stranraer team who have started the season uh, not as not as impressively as we thought they might. And and I know I know Steny had a, a decent result. Uh, the I think it was a week previous against Annan, yeah. which was a which was a, a victory. I, I didn't see them pulling off. So so I maybe it was just a, a, a poor day at the office. But my goodness, it was it was mega poor. Yeah, Stensky were absolutely dreadful there. We mentioned Sonrar um, actually missed two penalties uh, in that in that game, um, but still managed to score twice. It's all it's all immaterial. Um, Stensky, I think they hit the crossbar through Thomas Orr, but other than that, v- uh, rarely threatened, and it was very very straightforward for Sonrar, who at times <laughs> were looking like 2011 Barcelona with some of their play. But you can play like 2011 Barcelona if the team doesn't go near you now I've been following the Warriors for about 20 years now Sean and I think off the top of my head I'd need to I'd actually need to go and check this is the first time I have ever seen us bottom of the the SFL SPFL League 2 third division and I I'm I'm not quite at panic stations yet, just like the Falkirk supporters. I'm not quite <laughs> at panic stations yet, but we really, really do need to see uh, an upturn in form because I'm yet to see I'm yet to see anything from from this team suggest that they're good. There's been individual moments, there's been little spells in matches, but there hasn't been anything that you can go like that was really good. The performance last week against Anon Athletic that was I mean the one two one. But Annan should count themselves very, very unfortunate not to have taken something from the game. I think they, they at the very least, deserve the point. The goal, Tom Orr and Adam Brown, one was a stramash and, and like flicked in from two yards out uh, from a long throw in. And the other one was a shot that took a massive deflection on its way in. That is one of the right results. That was Stensman's first league win of the season. And that was seen as a turning point that it doesn't matter about the, the calibre of the performance. It doesn't matter how the goal's going. It's all just about winning. And you can use that as the platform to kick on from there. And going down to Stair Park to take on a Stranraer side who aren't very good. There have been a lot better Stranraer sides. I don't think they're as good as last season's side. To go down there and get comprehensively turned over then with a scoreline that, that wasn't wasn't reflective as to how it going. That's that's really okay. worrying. That's really worrying. I think what, what I thought was quite interesting, and I don't think I have ever seen it before, the fact that Stenny made a double substitution in the 43rd minute. Yeah. Now bear in mind you're only two minutes away for the interval. Why not just make changes at half time unless you are Specifically, wanting to embarrass people yeah. or, or make a statement, it feels very, it feels very performative. Hundred percent. I've got that in my notes, Sean. Actually, I put that. That's the word I used. Performative. I thought it was a performance substitution. Now, I watched Stephen Swift's post-match interview, and certainly he said all the right things about how performance wasn't acceptable. Apologised to the fans that travelled down. He'd be furious if if he travelled all that way and, and was was treated to that sort of performance. So what he said was quite interesting, or what I said was, was broadly agreeable. But this was the thing that I didn't didn't agree with. Now he said that he was asked by the interviewer, "Why did you make the change in forty three minutes? Why like you could have waited two minutes and, and took the players off there?" He said he could have taken off any of the players, but instead he takes off the quiet, the youngest and the quietest, and probably the most low, two most low maintenance players in that starting 11, guys who aren't going to argue back with you. If he did want to make a statement, he should have taken off 
could have taken off Ross Forbes, could have taken off Sean Crichton, players who were both playing poorly, but instead he takes off the pair of them, uh, just to effectively to embarrass them. It's not going to, it's not going to, like, the team, you make a double change at that point, the team aren't going to, um, it's not going to make, make them take up and get noticed. If you take off, like, more experienced players that aren't playing well, folk would be like, whoa, that's that, that's a big thing. But don't take off guys like Adam Corbett and, and Mikey Anderson. Yes, neither of them were playing well, and I, I don't think that from what I've seen from Mikey Anderson, I think the step up to the Lowland League might have been, might be a wee bit too far for him. But that was a, it was a substitution when I saw it on my phone. I, I was annoyed by it. You know, I wasn't there and I wasn't 100% sure of what the circumstances were. But when I heard about it, when I started speaking to my friend about it and finding out more about it, I just thought that's 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 embarrassing. You've gone out your way to to embarrass uh, two two young players, one of whom Corbett looks as though he could develop into a, a very good defender. Just it's it's not happened yet for Stephen Swift, and I'm worried that we get to the stage where it, it might not at all. From a man from a man management perspective, that kind of feels like it could go one or two one or two ways, and that. The dressing room can say, right, okay, so he means business, or it could just it could it could go very much the opposite way, and then they just lose all respect for him. It, it, if they were in a situation where they had respect for him, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't. It feels like an unusual thing to do. Aye, the frustrating thing is, Sean. So to uh, to to get to put it into a bit of context, at the game against an athletic, as the match went on, Annan were beginning to shell balls. Into the into the penalty box, and I've got a striker called Tommy Goss, who you remember last season scored for Queen of the South against Wraith Rovers. Tommy Goss is huge. Tommy Goss must be about six foot five. He, he doesn't look like a person. He looks like you know the orcs from Lord of the Rings that were born in mud. He looks he looks he's built like one of them. He looks like a, a boss from Streets of Rage. He's huge. He's absolutely enormous. They brought him on, and it was very easy for Annan to go direct. And, and they were playing a lot of balls towards the back post where Ross Lyon, the right back, was playing. Now, Ross Lyon's quite a, about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, He's not the tallest of players. And he was struggling. He was struggling to win his headers. So the manager brought on, he substituted on Sean Crichton. Sean Crichton, I think, had been missing through illness. It might have been to do with COVID. I'm not 100% sure. But Sean Crichton had been missing and, and came on. So he moved, took Ross Lyon off, brought on Sean Crichton and moved Adam Corbett to right back so you effectively finished that game with three centre backs and you've got to say it worked because Stennis Muir eventually won the match despite the fact they spent the, the final moments just hacking the ball out of the penalty box because they'd taken off Robert Thompson so there was, there was no one to, for, for the ball to stick up front and it, so you think well it ends justify the means because it did work. You know, you'd uh, Corbett move out to right back and we managed to deal with the threat, albeit that Aaron scored like with about two or three minutes to go. So it comes to this game against Stranraer. He goes with the same formation again. He goes, he, he plays with that back, with the three centre-backs in a back four. So he goes with Sean Crichton and Nicky Jamison at centre-back and Adam Corbett at right back. And Adam Corbett is... He came from Spartans. He joined uh, in, in January. I think he, he's got a chance of developing into a, a good lower league centre-back. He's really good on the ball. Like In terms, in terms of one-on-one defending, he's really good. Timing's really good. He can carry the ball out of defence quite quick over short distances. It's just the rough stuff that he's not too, that he's not too capable with. And I think that, that can be developed over time. Big difference between the Lowland League at Spartans where he was at and the, the League 2. 
Him and Nicky Jameson were developing a good partnership together with your A defender who just wants to go and header stuff all the time and your B defender who's a bit more cerebral and can carry the ball to defend. They had a good balance. Why on earth would the manager want to, to, to break that partnership, play Corbett at right back, a position he's not familiar with, and then embarrass him by hooking him with two minutes to go for the interval. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't make any sense to me. And I think what we'll see on, on Saturday against Elgin City is it'll be Jameson and Crichton at the back. Neither, they, they don't play, they've not played well together. They don't seem to suit each other. Um, and Sean Crichton, who I, I, I quite like, I've, I've, I've met him and I've spoken to him. I don't think he's had the best of starts to his time at, at Stenhouse Muir. And he's been a bit of a disappointment because you look at the guy... He's a fantastic ambassador. He's, he's a smashing big guy, but I don't think he's playing well at the at the moment. Do you think Swift can turn it around? The problem is, Sean. It's uh, the impression that I get is that he's a wee bit out of his depth at Stenhouse Muir. Now, I'm not saying that Stenhouse Muir are like like Charlie Big Potatoes FC, but there's a big difference between being bottom of the SPFL and a couple of miffed Twitch streamers watching a BSC Glasgow game. You know, I mean, for the best world in the world, BSC Glasgow, what, what pressure really are you under at BSC Glasgow? You, you, I mean, the Lowland League is such an unbalanced league where you've got some good quality teams at the top. The rest of it, like the university sides, Vela leaving guys like Selkirk that folded Gretna 2008, they're not good sides. So if you're if you're half decent, you're probably going to finish about fifth or sixth in that division. And that's, that's not to denigrate what he did at BSC Glasgow. He's obviously well thought of there and was seen as one of the best managers outside of the SPFL. And I 100% think that the club did make the right decision by giving him the job. But it's... He's, you know the expression, you're only as good as your players. The, 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 the problem is that, that he's, he's, signed so, he's signed quite poorly. I don't say so poorly, he's signed quite poorly. Corbett wasn't his signing. Corbett's been good. Robert Thompson, who he did bring in from Allah, he's been class. But the rest of them, it's a strange combination of guys who have, haven't played well. And I suppose that the, the manager, you can't, if, if guys who have come with a good reputation haven't played well, how much of that is your fault? Yeah, and then guys who have come in for the Lowland League that, that aren't good enough, and one of whom will go down in my all-time worst Stenhouse Muir 11, you know? And on top of that, we've got a large squad of players, but it's an unbalanced group of players. It's lacking in key areas. There's a lack of pace there. And he re- I don't think he knows what his best 11 is. I think of the players we've got, I find it difficult to put a best 11 out there. And it's just, I think that we're beginning to see We've got a presentable run of games ahead of us against Elgin City. Haven't started the season well. Forth Athletic at home, good but doable. Cowden Beef away. And then Albion Rovers at home, all winnable games. And I think if Stenismere don't get seven points from those four matches, I think you're going to have to have a serious discussion if, as to whether or not he's taking the club in the right direction. And I don't want to say that. That sounds, that sounds being really negative. And it is perhaps... You're, you're, I'm, I'm antsy because of the, I'm antsy because of the relegation out of uh, the SPFL and into. So the that's, that's what I was going to say. Is this the most worried you've been as a Stenny fan? I said that 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 Stephen Swift is perhaps the most important appointment that that Stenny will ever make because this season you don't have a breaking city that are going to prop up the division. You don't have a team that you can look at and say you're really really shite. 
Unless well, it's us. Mind, well, unless it's us. You. It's <laughs> unless it's us. Unless we're the team who's really, really shite. So I, I, I don't know. I'm worried and I do hope that he can turn it around because I think the guy does seem to have a lot of potential. He does have, have good ideas, but I do think it's, it is a step up. Said it before, there's a huge jump up between the Lowland League and the SPFL, no matter what some people might want to think and what some people will say. You talk about Kelty and Cove, aye, those are teams that, that came from non-league into the SPFL. Look how much money they're spending, though. You're talking about a team like BSC Glasgow, who are, are what you would consider a Lowland League club, Lowland League team. I think nine times, they, they even prior to them getting picked apart, that team would would finish about ninth or tenth in the in the SPFL. One, you know, just give a couple of good games in the cup doesn't make you a, a good a good team. And I think we're, we're, what we're, we're seeing is that a lot of the guys that he's brought in perhaps aren't good enough. And the guys that he has signed from the SPFL just aren't aren't quite up to it. I mean, when we signed Ross Forbes and then signed Nat Weatherburn, you're thinking, <laughs> two slow coaches. I, I, come on. It's like, d- d- come on. But, what, yeah, hopefully you're going to sign what Usain Bolt to, to, to make up for it but no we didn't sign Usain Bolt so I it's like I don't want to sound negative and I always try to think if the players were listening to this what would they make of it and and would they think I'm being fair I think I am being fair I think I'm being fair I do want it to work and I, I do think that that I do think that they are capable of, of getting it to work but I don't know what the best formation is you've signed too many similar players you don't have enough players to play in wide positions There's not a lot of pace in the team I, I don't know what, what formation you try to put these players in to get the best out of them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What about uh, what about Shunrar? What about Shunrar and Jamie Hamill and his weird red face? Perhaps he's not quite as poor in management than I than, than I envisaged. I think what he's done, he's signed well I, since the season started. They've had a bad start to the season, but I do like a couple of players that he's brought in. I think Brock Watson from Cove Rangers is a good capture. I think he's a very useful League 2 player. I don't think he's quite good enough for for League One, but I think he can he, he can be a pest. And I think well, we saw that on Saturday. With I know he missed the, missed the penalties, but he scored to, to make up for it. He scored a he scored a good goal, ball breaking from the edge of the area. I think Anton Brady's quite a good capture as well. He's just a pain in the arse in the middle of the park. Can play the middle, can play it wide. He's just one of those weeks like a wee carrier dog, but not a nice one. One like for for, for a pound. That just yaps. He's he's like that. But I think that in terms of someone who can go in there and break up the play, with Kieran Miller having left the club to to go to East Fife, I think he's a a decent uh, replacement. So I do think Stranraer will finish in the bottom half of the table. I don't think this is a good a good Stranraer side. You know, given the fact that it's the guys who are perhaps maybe a wee bit past their peak and boys who they signed on loan from Kilmarnock. So I, I'm not entirely convinced about uh, about them, but they did look really good to you. Say that you've got to give Sunrar credit because they did look really good. Uh, some of the one touch, two touch passing was excellent. Very fluent in the middle of the park, and I think um, the, he used his substitutions well. Jamie Hamill as the the game went on. So you've got to give them the credit. It's it's one of those ones. It's like you can't just one team just can't be shit and the other team like just turn up. Sunrar were good. Sunrar made Stennis Muir look shit. But it helps that when you, you the other teams stand off you and don't close down and don't get in your face and don't make it difficult for you. So I snore very good, but it was easy for them. There was a moment I thought the game was summed up uh, by a moment in the mm, 
might still be in the first half, but a, a, a cross came in for the right, and I, I couldn't see who it was, uh, who it fell to uh, from a from a steady point of view. But he had he basically he, he kind of twisted his body to take it on the volley, and he went to hit it with one foot, but somehow missed it, and it came off his second foot. And rather than having an attempt at goal, he cleared it twenty yards away from the from the Stranraer penalty box. It was an, an extraordinary moment. The, st- the highlights I watched were Stenning Smears when they were, they were published, and it was like, the, the from the people who brought you the Blair Witch Project, here comes the highlights of Stranraer 2, Stenhouse Muir 0. So bring back pixel cameras. So <laughs> I, I can't, I only watched them, Sean. I watched them on the, is it Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday. I watched them then, and was just like, I can't, even for this, like I've watched the Falkirk highlights twice, like just to, for this, I, I watched just any highlights of once, and that was days ago. So I just wanted to sort of get all that off my my chest because it's quite a, it's, to talk about it. It's quite a it's quite a complex a quite a complex thing. What happened, you know, with the the the, the tactical change from the Annan game, the double substitution, the, the the way that things aren't going well. Um, aye, it's just fucking win against Elgin lads that's it Elgin aren't playing well at the moment Kane Hester could be out injured so this is a great chance to to get three points and who knows that could be like Stephen Swiss post-match interview he said all the right things he said all the right things like the like embarrassed uh, you're not going to see that sort of thing again you know he could have taken anyone off and so on said all the right things didn't agree with the substitutions but he said all the right things and, but that has to translate into something tangible and that has to start on Saturday against Stranraer are you confident it will? No, because I said Stranraer. That has to start on Saturday <laughs> against Stranraer. It has to start on Saturday against Elgin. So if I don't even know who we're playing, Christ uh, knows what will happen. You know what? Is, is, there, any, is there anything else you need to discuss about Stranraer to Stenisbeer now? Just at the beginning of the season, when you and I were doing our preview, I said Stenisbeer could finish in the top four. I'm not at the stage where I'd take ninth place if you offered it to me now. I'm not at that stage yet, but... Those, these four games that are coming up that I mentioned, if we don't if we don't do well in those games, then then uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be getting out my map my, my map to to Gretna two thousand and eight. I I can see a, a scenario where over the course of the next six months or so, uh, Joel Sked will be slagging you off on television for Steny uh, being relegation candidates. That's a good point. A view from the terrace is back in the first of October. Uh, Sean and I, of course, big TV stars these days. Uh, so yeah, tune in and you get to you can hear us just now, but you can see us on the BBC Scotland channel at half past ten on uh, Friday, the first of October. I can't wait, Sean. We had our first production meeting on Tuesday. It all sounds very exciting. I uh, no, it's going to be class. It'll be uh, more of the same, uh, talking uh, a load of rubbish and uh, laughing at Joe stumbling over his words. Yeah, Joe was born with a tongue too big for his mouth, but they only realised it when he was 14 and it was too late to do anything about it. But Sean, I just suppose we'll do our, our, our uh, wrap-up. Remember, please, although this show's going out in the main channel, make sure you subscribe to the Patreon because there is tons of great content there. Um, Sean and I are just about to go and record a podcast looking at Claude and Elka's time at Wraith Rovers, which is, is going to be fantastic. Perhaps one of the most infamous, ep- ep- the infamous episodes in, in <laughs> Scottish football uh, just a bizarre time for, for everyone's life you know New Labour was was going strong Craig David was riding high in the charts Colin Elka pitches up in Kirkcaldy crazy I remember and subscribe to Review from the Terrace where a bunch of marks talk about um, things like still game so if that it's not for me but it might be for you so <laughs> 
go and, and, sub- and that wrestling you're, you're on a wrestling podcast as well you know yeah although I saw the description for us myself and a guy Daniel McIver who's a, who's a big JT talked about Bash at the Beach 1996 which is a, a, a very important pay-per-view in the, right. the history of uh, modern wrestling it's Hulk Hogan's heel turn when he joined the NWO ah right and on the description it said in this podcast brackets before we change the format now nobody explained to me what the format was in the first place or why it needed to change but I listened back to, to I listened back to it on Friday when it was published and I thought Daniel and I actually did really well in it if I do say so myself I thought that it was so, good so what, has, what has changed uh, from someone who, who hasn't listened to, to that podcast and, and probably won't listen to any other wrestling podcasts what's changed between one and the rest I'd like to hear that. I need to hear another one to, so they sit side by side so I know what exactly I did wrong when I was uh, presenting. <laughs> we just wanted to look at a classic pay-per-view. I thought it's a good way to kick things off. That was recorded like back in December and it's taken nine months for them to uh, to be reissued. So you can look forward to part two of A View from the Turnbuckle sometime in 2023. And with that, Sean, I think it's time that you and I go and record this Patreon. So thank you very much for listening and Sean, great to see you as always. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast Network.